So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1391, building a comedy career on TikTok with actor and comedian Leah Rudick. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Did you know that not everybody has 12 luxury cars? Some people don't even have one. Can you believe it? Apparently, to get around, they take something that is like um, like a party bus, but just without the party. I said to my assistant, book me one of those buses, have them come to the estate and pick me up. She said, buses don't come to you, you go to them. <gasps> How coy. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Some comedy relief today on the show. You're just hearing a snippet of one of the hilarious viral videos performed by our guest today, Leah Rudick. It is from a series of TikTok and Instagram reels that she entitles Wealthy Woman. And Wealthy Woman is an overzealous rich lady who likes to go online and talk about her many experiences doing kind of basic things like going to the DMV, going on a cruise, renting an apartment, taking the bus. I first discovered Leah on Instagram just a few weeks ago. I could not stop watching and sharing her witty, clever, and well-played performances. And it's just a snapshot of her many talents. Leah is an actor and comedian based in Los Angeles. Her first stand-up special, Everything is Fine, can be seen on the Seed and Spark streaming platform. Her stand-up was featured in the most recent season of Comedy Dynamics Coming to the Stage, and she is a regular on the Comedy Festival. Festival circuit. Her favorite TV credits include HBO's High Maintenance, where she plays Isabel, and IFC's Commuters. Her comedy and character videos have amassed over 10 million likes on TikTok and Instagram. So she and I talk about the behind the scenes of her fast climb to social media fandom, the career and financial opportunities that have stemmed from her viral videos, the business of comedy, and a lot more. Here's Leah Rudick. Leah Rudick, welcome to So Money. If you could only see me, well, you can see me. I'm gl- I'm beaming from cheek to cheek. I'm so happy to be here. I'm also beaming and just delighted. <laughs> well, let's give our audience some background. I was, I don't know what happened. I was on Instagram. This is not always the beginning of a good story. You know, oh, I was on Instagram, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And I fell upon, I think the algorithm really knows me and fed me some of your reels where you are pretending to be, you call it, you know, wealthy woman and her, her travails, her adventures going to the DMV, going to a spring break party, taking a bus. (laughs) So it started there and I immediately shared it with my my audience because I was just like, if you watch one video today, let it be this because I just thought the best comedy I think is is the kind where it's funny, but it's also, it's saying something. And of course, me being someone who is obsessed with personal finance and the economy, you really are speaking my language. So- (laughs) That's how we found each other. And I reached out to you and you were quick to re- re- reply and so generous to come on. Like this was just a couple of weeks ago. So we moved fast. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so many questions for you, Leah. Before we get into the amazing reels you're making right now, but just 
your foray into comedy. I always am interested in the sort of the beginnings of that for people because I think it can be this unknown, like we were talking about before we got on, like there's no job listing for comedians. Like you really have to be entrepreneurial and make your own path. So ahead of knowing all of this, I'm sure you knew all this before you got into it. um, What made you want to still do it? I started on the acting path and comedy was a kind of offshoot of that as I was auditioning and, and, and working to get, you know, hired by somebody else. Comedy was something that I had control over. So, you know, I, I started in New York doing sketch comedy in these like, you know, rundown theaters deep in Brooklyn. It was just a a creative outlet while I was like trying to you know, make it big in the, in the Shakespeare circuit. <laughs> is that, is that what you, really Shakespeare? Well, well that's what I, I was like. I did the, I was like a theater kid and right. that's what I, that's what I moved. I, I moved to New York and I was like, I really want to want to do theater. And then it just became the the thing that like, I really love doing it. And um, mm-hmm. it kind of kept building upon itself. You must have these ongoing conversations in your head about just like, what's the business that I'm running? You know, where are my revenue streams? I'm sure you've now with years now under your belt, you're seeing where the patterns and trends are. Like, where's the money right now? What are, right. What are Where is it best for you to be investing your time, Leah, as, as a creator? I mean, it's, it's TikTok and Instagram. And this is something that I, you know, I've I feel like I've been like a struggling artist for for over 15 years and getting on these platforms has has really completely changed my career trajectory and my and my life in a lot of ways and it's been really exciting these past couple of years with um having this this platform and this outlet I I have a real audience for the first time how did you know what to perform on TikTok and Instagram? Um, I'm personally loving these wealthy women parodies, but also like you have the MLM mom. Yeah. <laughs> so much variety. When you were first starting out, how did you, how are you measuring your success? Definitely trial and error. And, um, you know, I was hesitant to get on TikTok. It was, it was during the pandemic. And my brother, who's also a comedian was like, you got to get on this app. It's like, there's so much potential for growth. And I was like, I don't, TikTok is for kids, you know? And then I got on and I, um, I posted, I started posting stand-up clips at first. And then I think one of those got a little traction and then you kind of get, you get addicted to the, you know, to the, the likes and the views. <laughs> to the likes and the views. Um, and eventually I ran out of stand-up clips. So I was like, I guess I'll just start playing around. I didn't cut the, the like wealthy woman character and, and these newer characters, these are, really newer characters in the past, I don't know, five months or so, it was it was very much trial and error. And as soon as I started with the wealthy women, wealthy woman character, it was like exponential. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm onto something here. So let's, let's ride this until, you know. Well, I want to play a clip. I want to play a clip of the wealthy woman. Which one's your favorite? I like the uh, the bus, the riding the bus. Yes. Okay. All right. Pulling that up. Here is Wealthy Woman Rides the Bus. Did you know that not everybody has 12 luxury cars? Some people don't even have one. Can you believe it? Apparently, to get around, they take something that is like um, like a 
party bus, but just without the party. I said to my assistant, book me one of those buses, have them come to the estate and pick me up. She said, buses don't come to you, you go to them. (gasps) How coy. So I took the helicopter downtown to something called a bus stop, which is really just a bench on a corner where sleepy people sit. And the bus comes and the door opens and they don't give you champagne or a hot towel. The driver is there with a cup that says big gulp on it. And he says, that'll be 175. So I hand him 200s and I take a seat right up front, first class. And they have these cords on the side that you can ding for service. So I'm dinging the bell and dinging the bell. And I say, where is this waitress? I could really use a niçoise salad. And the driver says, of course, ma'am, would you like some caviar with that as well? I say, that would be delightful. And then a man stands in front of me, takes his pants down and does a number two and says, here's your caviar right here. I had no idea that's where it came from. (laughs) I love that she's really kind. And I feel like you could really take wealthy woman and, and shake her down. Like you could really steal all her things and she would not, she would be completely oblivious. Totally. And also just like excited to, uh, you know, she's up for a good time. She's up for a good time. And I feel like she's also like open to like becoming like political in the best way. (laughs) She just doesn't know. (laughs) Do you watch The Real Housewives? It's not a far cry from some of these women who are just, I remember like this one woman, she, it was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she's like, yeah, sometimes you have a house that you don't know like where it's located or like whatever. You have a lot of houses. And I was like, wow, okay. That must be a nice problem to have, but also tragic. Like if you don't actually know the location of your homes because you have so many of them. Yeah. Deeply sad and, um, and deeply something to put on your vision board. The fact that she's a wealthy woman versus like a wealthy man, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what his his reels would be like. Like what would be his experience on the bus? Would he be so patient? Uh, would he be so open-minded? I don't know. That's a great question. That's maybe the next inc- incarnation of these. It's also interesting the way people, um, you know, I, I haven't really built out a, a full backstory for this woman, but a lot of people in the comments make a lot of assumptions about this woman being wealthy only because her, like, her imaginary husband is. And it's it's just like, it's telling, you know. This could totally be a an HBO series. I was, like, who I was are her friends? That. Who's yeah. who's she taking with on the bus? You know. Yeah. yeah. Are they as oblivious? Are they? Because in my head, the the friends are like the real housewives. <laughs> right. Right. How do you come up with your takes? What do you think it says about where the minds are right now? Do you think that like the real housewives is helping with the popularity of these videos or the wealth gap, quite frankly, and you know just the the sheer um, abomination that is the U.S. economy and the you know the division in, in wealth. Absolutely, I think that's that's a thousand percent it. I think also people have really responded to this character being kind. <laughs> I think it's um, I think there's like a trope of the wealthy person being oblivious but also being horrible. Yeah. And I think I made the decision to make this character. Um, deer in headlights, uh, oblivious, but like with a, with a heart of gold. And I think that people are refreshed by that and sort of, you know, want to help this woman. Yeah. She, she has this sort of optimism and um, yeah. this very sweet spirit that while she's completely out of touch, she's also somebody that you yeah. wouldn't mind having over for dinner because you know what? You just never yeah. know what she's going to say in her interpretation of the world. The lens through which she sees the world yes, is something else. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
you're also anti MLM. I, I saw a video where you kind of took down Sheryl Sandberg. Like there was some shade over Sheryl Sandberg. So what is Leah Rudick's? Is this your political commentary or just sort of your deep thoughts coming out? It's not intentionally. Um, I'm not intentionally trying to to push buttons or or um, intentionally be political. I think it it comes out because it is just. I see these things in the world and um, they, I guess, inspire me to write comedy about it. But it's not like it's not like I'm I'm trying to like get on a soapbox. I just I think that's something that happens as a result of it. But <laughs> you almost can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. You said something earlier about the. TikTok and the social media platforms really taking your career to the next level. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of that those connections like the, you know, I went on TikTok and I have all these, you know, millions of followers or millions of views, how that has actually materialized into real work that pays you? Yeah, well, I've always been a live performer. I've always done live comedy and this has just opened up a lot of opportunities you know i'm i'm now like going into next month and co-headlining shows with my brother all over the midwest it's been really wild to to go and do these shows and have people come and be like i follow you on social media like it it's been like i said like i i've been i feel like uh trudging along for 15 years and and it feels like for the first time I'm I'm actually it, my work is getting seen um and you know I'm I'm you know getting paid doing shows also like earning money through the various platforms through their creator fund bonuses and and all that and it feels like it's just the beginning like it feels like there's been reach outs for brand deals and what what did, what advice would you have given yourself 15 years ago would you have changed anything about the the, the choices that you made or um, the way that you approached comedy as a business and, and, you know, acting, (laughs) acting, I guess, as a business too. Definitely. I mean, I, I tend to believe that everything happens in, in the right time and the time it's supposed to, but I certainly wouldn't have shied away from social media so much. I think I, I would have told myself like, get on YouTube. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) there are these platforms that can push you out to a broader audience. And I think there was always this like, oh, well, that's, I'm, I'm an artist. I don't need that. But you can be an artist in, in any platform. And I, uh, I don't think that maybe I didn't need to struggle financially so much all those years. Well, can we go to those years I, I, when I have comedians on and anyone who's in the creative space to talk about a little bit about their financial experiences? Because we know when you are self-employed and especially in a creative space, the income's not consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, as one, one of my friends likes to say, you eat what you kill. What was it like for you in the beginning and how were you making ends meet? I was just talking to somebody again who was like, I feel like I have to choose either working a corporate job or becoming an actor and taking side gigs. And mm-hmm. like, there's no way to have financial stability with benefits and try to pursue acting. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you? And you think that's actually really true? Or can you can you find other, other, other ways to do it? Well, I mean, I... <sighs> In, in my experience, I just, I worked as a waitress for years and I babysat and I worked as like assistants to wealthy people, which is where, you know, a lot uh-huh. of the, <laughs> you were getting your, you were studying. Yes. A lot of the inspo comes from, and to be completely transparent, I have very supportive parents who in those, in those moments where I was like, I can't pay my rent this month would, would come through and, and save me. And I, I don't think I would have been able to stay 
on this track without that. Because it's like, you can, you know, having a, people do have like nine to five corporate jobs, but you have to be able to like have flexibility to leave for an audition or, you know, to, to go and do gigs on the road. Yeah. And I mean, I've had a little bit of experience in comedy, like meaning I, I took a class. I did like a few stand up. <laughs> I did a few stand up nights in New York City. Uh, therefore, heretofore, I am now a comedian. No. But what I like what I observed was I thought to myself, well, no reason women could never compete in this space for the longest time because the economy of comedy was such where you had to travel to these small comedy clubs, these bars throughout the country, usually like an 11 o'clock show. Mm -hmm. You made 150 bucks, maybe. I mean, what man can do that, let alone what woman who probably has responsibilities at home, children, taking care of her family, and then also now as a woman to be in that environment with all these men, like that's also challenging. So it was never like built for women. Yeah. And it was, and do you think that that's, that has changed for sure? Obviously when we're, we're talking, but what is the state of comedy today as far as the gender divide? I think it's, it's changing for the better, for sure. It's changed a lot in a, in a positive way in the past two decades, but it's still, you know, for, for sure, a hundred percent, there is still a, I think an underbelly of toxicity there. But I think as as more women get involved in the space, it gets better. You know, I last month, I opened for Maria Bamford, who is like, one of my comedy heroes. And that was really like eye opening to see the way she really like brings female comedians up with her and makes it feel like a safe, inclusive environment. And I feel like it's people like that, that are paving the way that are making space for for everyone for all women. Mm -hmm. How has the streaming world enhanced comedy and also the role of women in comedy. Now you see so many more specials. What's the process to getting a special, a Netflix special or any show special? That's a great question. I would love to know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's on your, what's on your 2023 vision board? I mean, yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, um, late night sets. Do they still do those? Like you can get on yeah, I think that that format fat format is definitely like in its sunset hours, but it's still there, you know. But yeah, I would I would love a Netflix special. I would love an HBO special. <laughs> I think you could so be on The Daily Show. I mean, I don't know what you think of that, but I would love that. <laughs> I, like your wealthy women and your your other parodies and your comedy sketches uh, that. Um, maybe you don't, you know, intentionally try to make them commentary focused, but you are addressing the politics of the day and whether you know it or not. And yeah. I think that that is the subtlety in what you do is just so powerful and would be so would, would carry over so well to a show like The Daily Show where you would go and interview, you know, yeah. people and bring your own like humor to it. I don't know. That's my dream for you. I love that. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. I think I, um, I think I'm, I've always been kind of intimidated by that bold comedy, but I've always loved it and, um, found it incredibly brave. And so it means a lot that you, uh, <laughs> yeah, like a Samantha that. B. Yeah, yeah. I, I really see that. What's your advice? I mean, you kind of talked about your own advice that you would give yourself, but starting out now in 2022, two? Are we in a recession? I don't know. Like, how is that even, do you think that even affects comedians and the, you know, the opportunities that you have? Are you recession proof is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to find out. Oh God, I hope so. That would be nice. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I think that for me, it's for so long, it's just been like 
living month to month that like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to think in those terms. I'm just trying to, to figure it out. <laughs> Walk us through how you put together a wealthy woman script. What is the production like that? And to really know the effort that goes behind it, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, the energy and time and work that goes into each one of these very successful viral videos. Oh yeah, thank you. There's a formula to it, right? It's like um, there there are beats within each one and, and they're kind of consistent beats. So it really is just like picking a, a theme, you know, like, what, like just brainstorming, okay, what are things that this person who has been so sheltered would have never experienced, you know, riding, riding a bus, going to a dive bar, and then just like playing within that space and just kind of like, like I have a Google, like a 60 page Google doc where I just brainstorm and um, just kind of write lines as they occur to me. And, oh, it would be funny if, if, if she did this and then this thing happened and then this thing happened. And they're just like little, little stories that little like bite-sized stories, you know. You mentioned that your brother is also in the industry. Are you around the same age? Do you share notes? Like how has it been having someone so close to you come up in the, in the business with you? It's been amazing. And he, uh, we are super close. He's three years younger than me and we've always been super close. And, you know, we live in different places. He lives in the Midwest and has been doing stand up in the Midwest for over a decade and has kind of um, really etched out his own space in that part of the country. It's been amazing. We definitely, we bounce ideas off of each other. Sometimes we do video collabs and, um, and we're going to go on, we, we do a lot of shows together because I will go to the Midwest and stay with my family, but we, we have this like tour coming up where we're co-headlining all of these spaces. And it's really nice to have like a buddy in a space that can often be isolating. I think, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. I mean, comedy and traveling and, you know, you hear about some of the, of course, like Jim Gaffigan putting his entire family on a bus. Yeah. Uh, all the kids and the wife and everybody traveling together to go. And I don't, I don't know. I guess that's, that's one solution, but that's yeah. got to be a lot of chaos. I feel like Ali Wong does that as well. Like brings the kids, the very young kids. And I guess when you, when you hit a certain point where you just have the financial stability to be able to do that. You can bring nannies. <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, you can bring the wealthy woman's right. staff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder, do you see this industry as like being sort of, you said formulaic and um, more talking about your reels and your scripts, but in some ways the business too can be formulaic maybe in that if you get enough followers and enough of an online crowd and um, that's coming straight to you, mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time. And you've experienced this already where like brands come to you mm -hmm. and maybe the studios come to you. I know I, I love Sebastian Maniscalco and yeah. he... I feel like he came out of obscurity, but no, I mean, he was just sort of quietly building his audience, mm -hmm. um, going from show to show to show online. And then, you know, yeah. the Netflix specials. And I think there, it's almost like if you stick it out for long enough and you stay consistent, yeah. it's got to work out, right? That That's what I feel. And, and I'm, I'm seeing results. You know, it's been a very long road and it is really refreshing and wonderful to start seeing results. So I'm kind of just taking it a day at a time and, and seeing what other doors this can lead to and, and open up. It's been really exciting. You are so fun and to watch. And also at the same time, 
I'm so thrilled for the direction of your career because what I see too in you is a woman who is taking her career in her own hands, not waiting for the opportunities to arrive, but constantly creating your own stuff. And the people are coming. You are attracting people and I'm, I'll am i be there in the front row at your Netflix special. And if I can help with the daily show, uh, you know, I don't know. My dream is to be on Dancing with the Stars. Oh my gosh. And I, yes. <laughs> when, whenever they have a podcast category, you know, like today, this season. That will happen. I feel like that must happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Your lips to God's ears. Yes. Uh, it will happen. Leah Rudick, thank you so much for just making my day. Thank you so much. You made my day. This was so fun and wonderful. I would love to see you in person when you perform in the New York, New Jersey area, in the tri-state area. Please let us know. And until then, we will see you on, on all the grams and the reels and the TikToks of the world. Yay. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Leah for joining us. You can check out all of her work with the links I've provided in our show notes, Instagram, TikTok. Her website is leahrudick, R-U-D-I-C-K.com. Please check her out. She will definitely put a smile on your face. Stay tuned for Friday's episode of Ask Farnoosh, where we're going to launch a special segment in our Friday shows called Recession Help Desk. This is part of a theme that we are bringing to our audiences all over the place from the CNET Money audience audience to the podcast and my newsletter. We're going to be dedicating special advice every week to help you navigate this. I don't know. Can we call it a recession? I don't really care. The majority of Americans feel like it's recessionary right now, and I'm not going to wait to give the good advice. Until then, I hope your day is so money. Money. 